Well, it's good to be with you here today. Like I said, Pastor Adams is out this week, but he'll be back. Uh, it's, it gets a little tricky when there's two Davids on staff, and so that's why I use his last name, just, just to clarify with that. But, man, I can't tell you something. Uh, I love working with the people that I work with here. Uh, you may not know everybody on staff as well, and, and you get to see some people up here more than you see other people, and so you get to hear some more of their story. Uh, but can I tell you, working with Omar is, is like a shot of adrenaline. Uh, man, he, he and I, we, we desk across from each other. If you've been up to our office area, we don't really have offices, we have desks. And so, so we desk across from one another, and and what has been amazing to me, really, over the past couple of years that we've been working together, is realizing something uh, unique in, about who he is. And that is this. Evangelism is not his primary gift. <laughs> I know that, that sounds like a weird thing for, for me to say to you here today, because when you see Omar and you see him out in the community and you hear his testimony, obviously— Man, he loves evangelism. He is just driven towards evangelism, sharing Jesus with people. But it is kind of a strange thing that evangelism really is like his number two or number three spiritual gift. And I only know that because I have desked across from him long enough to realize that as, as much as he is about evangelism, man, his heart beats to help people, to help people, to get to know people and to help them. His, his real heartbeat is helps. He he will drop whatever it is that he's doing and come and help anybody anywhere at any time. He will, his, his other gift, I think maybe even gifts, like, like he loves giving. Like if, if you are in need, he will, he will sacrifice in order to make sure that you have. It's amazing to see his giftedness. Uh, many of you may not know Pastor Mike by name. Pastor Mike Matthews is, is sitting right over here. And, and, and Mike has been here for a long time. And, and if you spent time with Mike, you might walk away thinking that his, his, his passion or his giftedness is about, uh, is about, uh, about welcoming or, or something like that. And, or maybe it's even about visiting people in the hospital. He's so good about those things. But Pastor Mike's real passion is discipleship. He loves discipling people. He loves having people move from, from being young and immature in their faith to being growing and fruitful in their faith. That's his real passion. And if you spend enough time with him the way that we have, you, you get to understand that his passion really is about helping people. It's about, about helping people move further along in their faith, about discipling them. Sally Cook, she doesn't get as much stage time as well. She's usually in the, in the nursery area somewhere. And it's easy to see, for those of you that know Sally, that her giftedness and her spiritual gifts have something to do with administration. She is so organized, and she administers uh, this kids' ministry in an incredible way. But, but I've learned something about Sally. Her greatest spiritual gift is not administration. Her greatest spiritual gift is that she wants to make sure that nobody ever feels forgotten. She loves people. She wants everybody to be included. And, and so she organizes everything, and she charts everything, and she plans everything to make sure that nobody ever feels forgotten. She wants to make sure that everybody feels welcome and invited. She wants to make sure that, that all of her volunteers are loved on and cared for and get a call and get a card and, and, and are invited. And it, it is so neat to see the spiritual giftings 
of people when you really get to know them. We're talking about this idea of being intimate and sacred. The, the only way that I could possibly know those things about our staff is because I've spent time with them. The only way that I could possibly know what Omar's real gifts are, or what Sally's gifts are, or what David's real gifts are, is because we've had a relationship that allows me to see who they really are. If you have your Bible, I want to encourage you uh, to turn to Luke chapter 11. Uh, if you have an app, that works as well. <laughs> Luke chapter 11. And we're going to be looking at, at this Lord's Prayer in a little bit uniquely different way. You see, I think that most of us, when we think about the Lord's Prayer, we, we actually have learned and, and kind of memorized and we see written down a lot the Lord's Prayer as given to us in, in the book of Matthew. And really, these are two separate occasions, two separate accounts. They're, they're, they're not, it's not Luke misrepresenting what, what Jesus had said, uh, but they're two separate, separate times altogether that Jesus was talking about prayer. And yet, they're very similar. And this whole prayer that, that Jesus is going to be sharing with his disciples really comes down to these two points of, of intimate and sacred. That Jesus had an intimate and sacred relationship with the Father, and he invites us into having the same type of intimate and sacred relationship with him. I want you to get how powerful that is. That we, you and I, get to come before God with intimacy. That he invites us in to this type of relationship. In Luke chapter 11, verses 1 through 4, it says this, Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us, and lead us not into temptation. If you've grown up in church the way that I have, and you've, you've memorized the prayer in Matthew, it's hard not to add those other words. <laughs> it's, it's hard not, not to read into it. You're like, uh, mentally, you're just, oh, I, I gotta say, I gotta say more stuff. The prayer in Matthew is a little bit longer. It's a little bit different, but they contain a lot of the same types of things. But here in the book of Luke, it is a very different setting that happened. And here we have really the only time that the disciples ever asked Jesus to teach them anything. Could you imagine having the opportunity to sit down and speak one-on-one -on -one with Jesus? What would your question be? I don't know that my question would be, teach me how to pray. <laughs> if I could ask Jesus to show me anything, well, Jesus, show me... How do you heal people? That would be fantastic. Like, man, I could go to the hospital and heal people. I could, man, people would know your name if I were capable of healing people. Teach me to do that. That's amazing. But the disciples, after seeing Jesus for quite some time now, they realized that there was something more important that they needed to ask him than how do you heal somebody. More important than asking, how do you raise somebody from the dead? Jesus, we have seen you pray. And the way 
pray? Hmm. <laughs> Would you teach us that? Would you teach us to do what you do? How, how, do you, how do you approach God the way that you do that? Would you, would you show us how to do that? Because sometimes when I pray, sometimes when I pray, I'm coming to the vending machine and hoping that maybe I'll get what I want out of it. Or sometimes when I pray, I, I just, I wonder, is God really listening? Is God really there? But Jesus, when you pray, you just seem to have an intimacy that is uniquely different. Would you teach us that? Would you teach us that? And so he gives them this prayer. In the book of Matthew, he makes it very clear that, that this is not the words. He's not giving us some type of magic formula that, man, if we just say these words, then, then we got God. That, that somehow this is, this is the, the genie. That's a, we're going to rub it, and then the genie's going to come out. If we say these exact... No, he says, look, don't worry about memorizing the words. Don't worry about that. But I want to give you an example of what it looks like to pray the way that I pray. And he starts off with Father. Father. I don't know what kind of father you grew up with. And I don't know what kind of father you've been. I had a very different perspective of my dad before I became a dad. <laughs> Man, anybody else like that? Man, I, when I was growing up, I thought my dad was harsh. Man, he, was, he was a Marine. He I say Marine because I don't think there's any such thing as an ex-Marine. Man, he was a Marine. He, he, was a, he was a Marine, and he grew up on a farm, and he was a Marine, and, and he, was, he was that guy, man. He wore a suit every day to, to work, and he wore a suit every Sunday to church, and he was regimented, and everything was, yes, sir. <laughs> that was the only option. <laughs> we didn't have the option of, of why. Anybody else grow up with dad like that? that? If you said why, that only happened once, <laughs> and then you spoke with a lisp the rest of your life, right? Why was, was not a question that we were able to ask of dad. No! Oh, gosh, just thinking about that scares me. Man, to say no to my dad? I... I don't know that that ever happened. <laughs> I, can't, I can't remember a scenario. Because if anybody ever did, we, we, he knocked us out. We don't remember it. Like I, it was either yes, yes sir, yes now, right away. That was, that was it. We get to call and come before God. And Jesus uses this term father. And he uses father very intimately. He uses father very childlike. See, all throughout the Old Testament, there, there are times that the word father is used of God, but every single time that's used in the Old Testament, it's, it's really more of this idea of forefather or kind of originator. The, he is the father of Abraham. He's the father of the nation of Israel. But it's not the same type of terminology. It's not the same type of intimacy that's used there. It's, it's the same type of language that, that you and I might use to say, uh, George Washington is the father of our nation. You know, we, he is, he's one of our forefathers. 
That doesn't mean that George Washington and I have any relationship whatsoever other than I, I have a couple of his pictures in my wallet. Like, that's, that's what I got. I'd like to be closer to Hamilton, but <laughs> I don't get to see him as frequently. I, I get to see Washington quite a bit, Lincoln. But in the Old Testament, when, when they speak of God as Father, it really is that kind of originator, kind of, kind of this, this very kind of high idea. But when Jesus says, I want you to pray, if you want to understand the intimacy that I have, if you want to mimic that, it starts with understanding God as Father. We are his children. For those of us who are in Christ, we have been called children of God. For those of us who have placed our faith in Christ, we are sons and daughters. We get to come before him and call him dad. Dad. Some of you are, are older than I am, and you may remember a time when your kids would come home from school and they go, Dad, let me tell you about my day. <laughs> Dad, let me tell you what... Dad, let me, let me share with you what happened. Dad, did you know this? Dad! If you have little kids, it may happen so frequently, you're just like, please, just one day without hearing mom or dad. Or, like. But we understand there's something so sweet about your child coming, Dad. Dad, I'm, Dad, I'm gonna tell you. Dad, I want, I, want, I want to spend some time with you today, Dad. Dad. And this is this type of intimate picture that Jesus is pointing for us, that when we pray, we get to come before Dad, and we get to share with him, and we get to know him, and we, we get to have this relationship with him as Dad. The context of this is is important. If you have your Bible app, then the, the, the chapter right before this, in chapter cha uh, 10 of Luke, Luke 10, the couple of verses leading up to this, is, is talking about this time that, that Jesus went to go and visit Mary and Martha. And as he's, he's they're visiting with them, uh, Martha is, is all about getting things done. About, about making sure everything's in its place and making sure everything's taken care of. And in verse 40, she says to Jesus, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve all alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken from her. Luke puts this here for a reason, because God told him to. <laughs> I, I think that there's a connection here between when having the presence of Jesus with us, of being able to, to sit with him and commune with him, and, and having this relationship, and then Jesus teaching about this prayer of, Father, it's the presence of God in our lives. Man, if you were here last week, we experienced something. <laughs> Can I get an amen with that? We experienced something here last week. 
There, there's no reason to deny that or pretend it didn't happen. Like last week, if you weren't here, you missed something. And I don't even know fully how to explain it to you. All I know is that the power of the Holy Spirit was tangible in this place last week. Omar and I, we were talking about it later. Actually, pretty much every day this past week, we've talked about it. We're like, Man, that was so good. We had, we had talked with, uh, with Mike Satterfield uh, a while back. Years ago, Mike Satterfield was preaching at, at a, an event that, that Omar was at, and Omar had an opportunity to go in and talk with him about it. He said, said Mike, how, how is it that you're able to deliver God's word like this so frequently? And he shared with Omar that he spends two hours of prayer in the morning, two in the afternoon, at two at night. He says, it's about prayer. Because I have an intimate relationship with God, it's, man, that's it! And it's this intimacy. And, and Jesus says that we get to have that too. It's not just for Mike Satterfield. It's not just for Jesus. It's, it's for you and I that we get to have this kind of relationship with Jesus too. Father, hallowed be your name. We go move from the, the intimate to the sacred. Hallowed. This is, this, is, this is a word that we don't use a lot. Like, like the only time that, it, that we use something close to it is, is for Halloween, right? Hallowed. It's, it's this idea of, of something being sacred or holy or set apart. Hallowed. Be your name. Set apart is your name. Holy is your name. Holy other is your name. You are dad, and you are uniquely different because you are not just a father, but you are God. Hallowed be your name. Father, you are wholly different. Your name is to be elevated above all names. Your, your name is to be taken seriously. At your knee, name, every, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. There's something powerful about who he is. We get to come before daddy who is uniquely different and he is holy and he's sacred. And so we come to him with an intimacy, but we also come to him clinging on to that sacredness. Of God, I want to be in your presence and I want to glorify you. God, I... I have a reverence about who you are. I, I'm, not gonna, I'm not gonna use your name lightly. I'm not gonna use it in vain. I'm gonna be much of who you are when I have the opportunity because you are daddy and you are sacred. And he invites us into this type of relationship with God as well. Your kingdom come as your next verse. Your father... Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. The, the prayer itself is separated into these, these two unique sections. The first section really dealing about with, with God is your kingdom. It's your kingdom come. God, don't establish my kingdom. My kingdom is horrible. Like, don't let me be the one that rules all things, but your kingdom your kingdom come. This is the sacred coming down and invading the ordinary. 
your kingdom come. And Jesus is the beginning of this kingdom. He is the kingdom. Matthew 4, 17 says this, from that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He's talking about himself, that his coming was the kingdom coming, that he is the kingdom at hand. And when we pray, God, your kingdom come, we're praying, God, would you allow us to live out our faith in front of other people? May your will be done. Your kingdom come. Father, we want to be more about who you are. Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. And then it moves into this other part. Talk about us. So it's your name, your kingdom. Your name, your kingdom. I think it says this. Give us each day our daily bread. It, it switches. We're, we're no longer as focused on, on God as God, our relationship with you. Your name, your kingdom, give us. Give us each day our daily bread. He's talking about his provision. That every day we come before God and we recognize that every good and perfect gift comes from our Father above. That every breath that we draw is because it's a gift given to us by our Father. Give us each day our daily bread. He's talking about necessities. There's over 169 verses throughout Scripture that talk about how God provides for our necessities. That God is provider. It's a huge part about who he is. In Philippians 4.19, it says, My God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Our problem is that we like to take that type of verse and take it back to the vending machine idea <laughs> and think that God as long as I, I, I say the right things I'm going to put my, my token in my coin in as long as I, I'm, I'm, I'm praying the right scriptures or as long as I'm going to church as long as I'm being kind of good Lord I'm going to put my coins in and then I get to select what I get well I want I want a new car <laughs> I, I want a new house I want I want maybe something a little bit more deeper. What I really want is, man, we've just been praying for kids. We've been praying so long, and we've been asking God to show up. Maybe it's for healing. God, we, we've been praying so long for healing. The pain is real. Would you take care of that? And we come to God like he's a vending machine. We're praying for God to meet our necessities for life, but he never guarantees us that he is going to provide that new car. This isn't a health and wealth gospel. And this is a, when all your health is gone and all your wealth is gone, you've still got the gospel. You still got that! And we cling to it. 
for the necessities of life and for our spiritual nourishment. When, when Jesus prays, give us this day our daily bread, he's not just talking about our food. He's, he's reminding them, remember when. Remember when the nation of Israel was in wandering in the desert and God provided miraculously this manna, this what is it? And they would go out every morning and they would, they would scrape up this manna and they would make little cakes out of it. <laughs> Your daily bread. And he's also talking about our relationship with him. Our spiritual nourishment. Jesus said in John 6, 35, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. And we come to the bread of life our, for our spiritual nourishment every day to say, God, I can't make it today without you. I, I need you. And Jesus invites us to come to our heavenly Father, to come to the sacred one, to come to, to our king, your kingdom come, to come before this, this God and say, God, would you give us what we need for today? Give us what we need. This bread is also about our connection with one another, family and fellowship. In 1 Corinthians 10, 16, and 17 says this, the cup of blessing that we bless is not a participation in the, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break, is it not a participa participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one bread, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one bread. Right after this, in, in, in the following passages of Luke, Jesus shares a story Jesus is a storyteller. He loves to, to, to tell stories. And so he's teaching them about prayer, and then he comes into this story, and he says, let me show you how this is played out. Imagine that you are uh, at home, and, and you have a late-night visitor. Somebody from out of town comes to your door and says, we need to stay with you. And you look around the house, and you go, oh, my goodness, I was going to go to the grocery store, and then I totally forgot, and we don't really have anything. We have nothing to offer you. He says, imagine that this happens. And, you, and so you get up, and you go to your neighbor, and you knock on the door like, hey, could, could I get some bread for you? I've got, I've got some company. I wasn't expecting them. Could I, could I get some bread from you? In Luke chapter 11, verse 8, it says, I tell you, though, he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend. It's not because he's his friend that he's going to do this. Yet because of his impudence, because of that man's, it's a, it's a weird word, it's really shameless. Because of, because of your shameless question, because of your impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. Because you come to the house shamelessly and say, I've got nothing. <laughs> Can I have some? <laughs> when we come to that place of, of recognizing shamelessly that I've got nothing to offer God, not a thing, and we come to before God and say, shamelessly, God, I got nothing to give. This is what I got. I, I got nothing. 
can you provide? <laughs> I've got nothing to offer you. And we shamelessly ask God for provision. Oh, it's about God. It's about his name. Your name. And then we come to this part and forgive us. Give us, forgive us. <laughs> forgive us. And we are calling on the mercy of God. Forgive us. Can I tell you something? In Christ Jesus, you are forgiven. You're forgiven. You, you don't have to carry this weight and this burden and this guilt with you any longer. You are forgiven. And I think one of the things that I see so often when I'm talking with people is, is their lack of ability to believe this truth. To believe that God forgives you. He, he doesn't just look at your sin and go, ah, it's not that big of a deal. He looks at your sin. He knows exactly who you are. He knows exactly what you've thought. He knows exactly what you've done. And he looks at you and he says, I love you. And I forgive you. And you're my child. I want to have relationship with you. Amen. God wants to have relationship with, with you. Forgive us. When we come to grips with this radical truth, when we come to this place of really understanding that God has forgiven us, it will set you free. It will set you free. You're no longer going to be tempted to go to the, the vending machine, Jesus, or the vending machine, God, because you're going to look at it and go, I, I'm, I'm already forgiven. The text continues on, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. There's been books written about what, what, what did he mean here. I don't think that's that hard to look at and understand. When we look at this, we say, forgive us, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. This is not, this isn't, this isn't some type of conditional statement. This isn't us saying, hey, as long as I forgive everybody else who's wronged me, then God, <laughs> I've got you. You gotta forgive me too. This, this isn't us playing our, our trump card saying, oh, now we got you. And it's not us forcing God's hand. And it's not a conditional statement that says, well, man, you better make sure that you forgive every single person, every single thing. You gotta make, make sure you don't have any bitterness stored up inside you or God's not gonna forgive you. That's not what it means either. In his book, Abba's Child, Brennan Manning talks about this idea that when we who are rescued out of our sin, when we deal with other people, we do so with gentleness because we know what it means to be forgiven. Because we know what it means for God to treat us with gentleness and say, I know you've messed up. I know you've sinned. 
and it's horrible. But I'm going to deal with that. Brittany Manning puts it this way, the art of gentleness toward ourselves leads us to being gentle with others and is a natural prerequisite for our presence with God in prayer. And when we recognize our sinfulness and his mercy is a it draws us into intimacy with God. That when I realize all that I've been forgiven of and what I've been brought into, that the presence of God is with me. And because of that, I can treat other people whose lives are messy and messed up and sinful with compassion and mercy. And is your life filled with compassion and mercy towards other people? When, when you see somebody blatantly living in sin, do you have compassion and mercy towards them? To reach out in gentleness and restore. Reach out in gentleness and share God's mercy and his love. To reach out to them. And lead us. Lead us. Lead us not into temptation. God, give us, forgive us, lead us. Lord, would, would you do these things for us? Because I, I, can't, I can't do it on my own. I, I can't make it. If I'm left to wander by myself, that's a horrible situation. But God, lead us. I need your guidance. And I know it's hard not to throw that deliver us from the evil one, right? For those of you who have memorized it through, through Matthew. And lead us not into temptation. It's this picture of, of God as shepherd. It's the picture of, of God in Psalm 23. When, when David's saying, saying, you go before me. You're going to prepare the way for me. You're going to shepherd us and make sure that, that the, the things of this world, you're, you're going to help steer us in the right direction. You're going to shepherd us. God, I don't know what today is going to hold. You get up every morning and say, God, I don't know what temptation is going to come my way. I don't know what harsh word is going to come from somebody else and it's going to stir up something in me. I don't know what I'm going to have to deal with in my job today. I don't know what I'm going to have to deal with for my family today. I don't know. But whatever happens, God, would you, would you guide me in such a way that, that even through the minefield of temptation, that I make it through safely? Lord, would you guide me? Lead us not into temptation. God is our father. He is our king. He is daddy. He is all these things. Yeah. I don't know what your relationship with your dad was like. I know that for some people, uh, thinking of God as, as father is a hard thing because maybe their, their fathers were, were bad examples. I know that for many people, Maybe even this idea of, of God as being our king is hard. Lord, I, I'm okay with being intimate with you. I'm just not sure that I want you to be Lord over all things in my life. But Jesus says that this is the presence of God. 
that we come before God, our Father. We come before the Lord, our King, and we cry out to Him, Father, hallowed be Your name. Your kingdom come. Oh, Father, in me, may Your kingdom be displayed. In us as a church, may Your kingdom be displayed. Your kingdom come. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive those who are dead to us. And lead us not into temptation. Father, this should be our prayer. It should be a guide for us as we enter into this presence with God. God, would you meet with us? I want to challenge you, encourage you here today. Maybe today, maybe today you've, you've, maybe it's been one of those days. You got up late, the kids got up late, everything was a mess, and, and it was just one of those days. I want to invite you to experience the presence of God in your life through prayer. Maybe you need to take just a few moments and, and pray where you are. Maybe you need to take a couple minutes with your spouse and, and pray over some things. Maybe you need to, to reach over and grab your child and say, we need to pray about this. Uh, we keep saying we're going to pray about this, but we, 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 we haven't actually gotten together and prayed about it. I'm assuming you're praying and I'm praying, but we've never actually gotten together and started praying about it. Let's pray. Prayer is powerful. Prayer is powerful, not because it, we're getting God to do something for us. It's because we are placing ourselves in his hand and saying, God, what would you have us to do? Maybe right now you need that guidance more than anything else. You've been praying for guidance. You've been praying for direction. You've been praying... And maybe today is that day that you just need to come down forward. Maybe you need to grab a, a friend and to come down with you and pray. Or maybe this is an opportunity for you to come forward and pray for your pastor while he's away praying on your behalf. To pray that God would show up in, in David's life and, and guide him and direct him and just show him so that he can be the faithful pastor. Would you stand up with us? Let me pray for us. Father, we praise you for who you are, and we come before you now, and we are praying, God, that you would show up in our lives. Lord, that your presence would be felt. That, Lord, that when we come before you, that we are calling out, Father, Lord, King. Oh, the intimate and the sacred coming together in our relationship with you. Father, would you make this real, that you desire this kind of relationship in us and with us. And Father, may we be brought to a place of shamelessly, shamelessly coming before you, shamelessly on our knees, shamelessly grabbing a friend, our spouse, our child, and praying shamelessly doesn't matter what anybody else thinks of who you are or what you've done. It doesn't matter what they think you're praying about. Shamelessly laying it down at our Father's feet. Laying it down at the King's feet and saying, Father King, 
because you have loved us and because you are able, I am laying this down at your feet. Would you give me my daily bread? Would you guide me? Would you forgive me? We cry these things out to our Abba, to our Father, to our Daddy. Would you work?